Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Anushka Dukas, MBE, fell into jewellery design when helping her mother source gifts for 60 chefs. Inspired to turn pictures of fish into cufflinks, she went on to cut her teeth founding Links of London with her husband in 1990, a brand which has become globally recognised as a signature of British humour and eccentric elegance. After selling Links in 2006, Anushka now runs her eponymous fine jewellery company, with fans including Gwyneth Paltrow, J-Lo, and the Duchess of Cambridge, Anushka's designs lift the reverence of traditional fine jewellery through her creation of playful, wearable pieces. Jewellery designer, creative director and entrepreneur, Anushka, welcome to your Sherlock's success story. Thank you, Georgie. Lovely to be here. So let's go back to the beginning. It's 1989 and your mother rings you saying she needs to find presents for 60 chefs. Where are you? So I was living in Hong Kong, working for uh, Hamptons, selling property to Chinese wanting to buy property in London. So it was a bit out of the blue and she, when she rang me. I was like, Mum, I have no idea <laughs> what you can give your chefs. But I'd rung her back and said, actually, I'd just been to the Philippines. I'd found a fantastic workshop making silver. So I just rang and just said, actually, why don't I find a picture of the fish in the book, make them into cufflinks, and you can give those to your chefs. And why had you found a factory in the Philippines? One of the wonderful things about living in Hong Kong was every weekend you'd go to the Philippines, you'd go to Thailand, or you'd go to Burma. And so there's huge amounts of travel. And I had quite a lot of friends in the Philippines who were making things. And I just happened upon this lady running a, a very small workshop. And you had a nosy around? And... and I also made some jewellery for myself. Just silver bracelets, just really simple. And that's kind of how I discovered that they were very able. So you had the fish cufflinks made. And what happened next? She gave them to the chefs. They were presumably very happy. What drove you to design more? Well, it was cheaper. She wanted 60, but it was much cheaper to make 120. So I had these 60 extra that I hadn't sold my mother. And by which time I'd moved back to London. I was working for Hamptons in London. So I thought, well, I've got to get rid of these cufflinks. So I rang the buyer at Harvey Nichols, and I'll never forget her name. Or And she was just lovely, called Fiona Duff. And she said, well, I can't take one design, but if you can design a collection... Of cufflinks. Of cufflinks. Come back and see me. So I thought, okay, well, that's great. I'll do that. A few weeks later, I went back to her with six or seven things that I thought they kind of appealed to my sense of humour. Pig head, bum, elephant head, bum, that kind of thing. Golf bag, awful. And that was the beginning. She said, I'll take all of these. And and that was the beginning of Links of London, I guess. You were designing cufflinks for men. When did women come into the mix? What was the jewellery market like for women back in the early 90s? I was designing cufflinks and kind of gifts, I guess. And I was very reluctant. The jewellery was the last thing to come because I was reluctant to do it because I had never trained as a jewellery designer. And I felt that actually there was lots of jewellery out there. 
so I was reluctant to do it. But it came after we opened our first shop in Broadgate in the city in, I guess, I think we opened it in 1991, perhaps. And I realised quite quickly that there were all these men who were buying cufflinks, but they all had wives, girlfriends, mothers, etc. You were missing a bit of a trick. And I was missing a bit of a trick. So then I started to design jewellery. And so you sold then to Harvey Nichols and you opened your first shop in 91. Why a shop? We started off own label, followed by wholesale, followed by kind of corporate gifts. And retail was the very last thing we did. And that wasn't really the plan. It's just that at the time, John was a lawyer and he was working in the city. And he walked past a tiny little shop in Broadgate and he ran me and said, I found a shop, we're going to take a shop. But it wasn't the plan. <laughs> anyway, so... Is it ever? Uh, I think quite often things aren't the plan, are they? <laughs> and how did you know what you were doing? I was going with my gut, really, I guess. I mean, you know, I didn't train to be a jewellery designer. I didn't train to go into retail. But I think some of the time that can be a real advantage. Mm. And were you working full-time on links? Were you doing anything else on the side? Or were you making enough money to live? No, my mother died very suddenly and I ended up taking on her fish business. So it was pretty busy, actually. So I went, went Fish she... and jewellery. Yeah, I mean, they go hand yeah. in hand, don't they? Well, I mean, that's how it all began. <laughs> I was really doing fish from kind of 4, 4.30 in the morning till lunchtime. Were you really? Doing yeah. what? I went to boats. I went to the coast in Rye. I, I bought the fish off the boats, rang all the restaurants, um, told them this is what's just landed what would you like anyway and then it would get delivered to London and I would go home quick shower and I do silver in the afternoon amazing so fish in the morning jewelry in the afternoon and at what point did you give up the fish business Marina my eldest daughter was I guess she was about five so I probably ran it for about seven years whilst doing the jewelry at the same time no six years yeah yeah and at what point did John join you in the business So John, I mean, we set it up together, but it was John's night job. He was a lawyer, and that's been fantastically helpful. Beneficial, yeah. um, All through, yeah. But I guess full-time, I think he joined in about 96, 98, something like that. When it was big enough to accommodate both of us. Because actually, just couldn't do all of it, run it, design, etc., etc. And John was a really obvious person to come and join me, other than the fact he was my husband. So it was very important to me that there was enough for, for him to do and for me to do and then not to cross too much. And for it to be able to, as you say, for you to be able to afford him. Uh, Lawyers don't come cheap. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <They> certainly don't. <laughs> um, did you have a mentor? No, I, I don't think I did. I mean, had my mother been around, she would have absolutely been my mentor and was and still is a kind of constant inspiration to me, I guess. But my godfather, Mark Burley, was also a huge inspiration. He didn't mentor me as such, but he offered huge encouragement. And that was my very first job, actually, I left, when I left school. I worked for him. And the attention to detail and all of those things I learned from him. As you said, Link started as a wholesale business. Then you moved into retail and you went on to open 40 stores. How did your role within the business change during that time? And how did you cope with that? Because, you know, you were going into completely new territory. I mean, my role has always been on the creative side. um, And as it grew, we recognised, possibly not quickly enough, actually, that we needed somebody who was not necessarily entrepreneurial, but who was really going to be able to kind of manage the day-to-day and make things happen. As you know, actually, entrepreneurs have moved on and gone done something, you know, 
you're 10 steps ahead whilst you forgot to tell anybody what the nine steps in between were. So we appointed a managing director and a creative director who helped me. And I continued to do the, all the kind of visual and the design side. And uh, what, what did you think with links? God, we're really onto something here and we're just going to go for it. Because you sold it for just under 50 million in 2006. I mean, was there a point in the journey when you thought, let's just really go big? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I don't ever remember thinking this is kind of, you know, hugely successful. I don't ever remember thinking that because it's never like that. You're always, I mean, you're always going to move on to the next stage. You want to think, okay, well, I've done that now and now I'm going to do this. And, you know, God, the world's a very, very big place. So there's plenty to do. There's no shortage of opportunity and, you know, excitement, I guess. But did you have a moment when you thought, I really want the big time? No. I don't think I ever thought that. You just carried on and carried on and carried on. Yeah, I think so. I remember being often asked, actually, kind of, you know, age 30, what do you want? And I just remember wanting to see people walking around with my bags. That, for me, as a child, used to set up shop and sell cookies and, you know, all those things. I still find it really exciting when I see somebody walking around with an Anushka bag. There's something very, very exciting about that. So that's the excitement. The excitement for me was about people loving what I did and what I do. And that's what makes it interesting. And why do you think it was so successful? And you know, for people who are listening who might be in their 20s or early 30s and not really remember how massive a force it was as a brand. I mean, I remember as a teenager, there was nothing anyone wanted more than a piece of the story. I mean, it was that hot property. Why do you think it was? Is it because the market didn't have that? Is it the price? Was it the no, design? I do. I think at the time, to buy jewellery, you went to a kind of county jeweller where everybody... All the county jewellers would put literally everything they possessed in the window, in these kind of rather old-fashioned boxes. No cohesive kind of look or feel. Quite unaffordable to young people. I think I've always designed kind of what I like and what is appropriate for my life because it's much easier to do that and to connect, I think, with people if you really understand what they want. So there was nothing like it. You know, we could go in and buy a present for somebody, a charm for like £40 or something and that collectability and you know the sweetie bracelet all those things that were God I had the sweetie bracelet I'm in the excitement when I opened that sweetie bracelet my love heart bracelet that's the other one (laughs) and how did you cope with people copying you I think you know for entrepreneurs for brand owners that's a real challenge isn't it when you don't always have lots of money to fight them back I mean everyone was trying to copy and rip you off at the time what would be your advice to people do you know I was incredibly lucky because John was a lawyer so he was having none of it and just a feisty letter actually helps rather than thinking oh I can't do anything about it because I can't afford it but just a letter just to make sure that we're on you we're on you just watch it yeah Okay. So you sold it in 2006. Was that always the plan to sell it? It was always my plan to sell it before I was 40, or as I I think I sold it in my 40th year. Nearly. (laughs) Nearly. It was a plan. I mean, you know, no plans ever set in stone. Was it a hard decision or was there a number when you went, right, this is amazing? It was really about when a business gets big... For me, anyway, I think the creativity goes a bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got, you're dealing with this department and that department, and I'm saying, it's a really good idea, I want to do this. And X department will say, you can't do that because the franchises are such and such, and the PR department has... I was just like, you know, I, I, just, I could be dead by then. I just yeah. <laughs> So I found that very frustrating. I also have four children. I was on a plane a lot, and I remember when my daughter went to boarding school, age 11, I remember thinking, oh, my God. 
God, that's happened so quickly. And I just felt I needed to be around a bit more. It just seemed like the right time. And how were you managing having four children and such a big business? Like all women manage it. Multitasking, lots of help. I was incredibly lucky. I mean, also, I think running a business with your husband, if you're able to, gives you so much flexibility. You know, so if I didn't go to school play because I had to be at somewhere else, John would go to school play. And that's just a huge advantage. And I had wonderful, wonderful nannies. And you talked about the creative element of what you do going as a business gets bigger. Let's just talk about that creative element. Mm. Because you were working in property, then you worked in a fish business. You know, it doesn't smack of someone with great sort of artistic flair. But given that you've created two businesses and been the creative in both, and we'll kind of come on to Anushka in a minute, and you know, the designs that you create are just phenomenal. Where does that come from? So I think it came as a bit of a surprise, if I'm honest. I mean, when I left school, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. No idea. I think in my head, all I did know is I didn't want to work for anybody else. That was the thing I knew. But I started by just designing things that really appealed to my sense of humour. As I said, kind of understanding a little bit about what the feeling is in the kind of surrounding, you know, what the vibe is. And yeah, I think the creative came as a bit of a a surprise, I think is the honest answer. But once I discovered it, it's very hard not to do that. I've always been really interested in all aspects of design, whether it's interiors, whether it's architecture or art. I've been surrounded by that my whole life. So I guess it was innate, but it was hard to... It wasn't that left field. It wasn't as left field as it might appear. And why do you think Lynx was so successful? What was the formula that you and John brought to it? I think it was very affordable. It was essential to me that they were perfect presents. So, you know, for me, it was really important that whatever, whenever you bought something, the packaging was divine. You would get wonderful packaging if you go to Cartier or Tiffany or Gucci. But anything that wasn't at that very luxurious end, yes, you had to go fish around and get. Yeah, it was a bit more functional. It was a bit more it? functional. And I, so I felt it was particularly when we opened a shop in the city, you know, it was all about men shopping in a very short period at lunchtime, one hour. You know, they didn't need to come in, buy the present, go and get the wrapping paper, get the card. So part of it was just really practical. And I just wanted it to be absolutely beautiful and make you smile. So you sold the business in 2006 for an amazing sum. And who did you sell it to? And did you stay on or did you have to do an earn out? We sold it to a business called Folly Folly. And weirdly, they didn't really ask us if we would stay on until we were in the room signing the documents and then they said would we consult for them so I did consult for them for a year two days a week and I have to say that was without doubt the most difficult stressful Mm. thing I've ever done how long after the sale of links did you then start thinking about your next move so you spent some time with the children and (sighs) did you decide actually I'm missing something in me or do you think you always had another business in you at the time I thought I was going to go home and be this perfect mother it's all going to be lovely and then I think I realized quite quickly that perhaps that wasn't I've worked since I was 19 I'm just not how you made it's not really how I made and I do a lot of mentoring of young businesses and I did do that for quite a long time John set up Brands of Tomorrow under Walpole so I did a lot of mentoring, which I love. But equally, it was frustrating in another way because, you know, you'd go and see kind of things that seemed to be terribly obvious. And you'd say to the, whoever the business was, you know, actually, I really think you should do this. And a month later, you go back and say, so what did you do? Well, we didn't do that because of X, Y and Z, etc., etc. And I just found it so frustrating because it was absolutely their prerogative. But I wanted to 
back in charge of my own destiny, I guess. And did you have a non-compete after you sold Lynx? Yeah, but a year of that, we did have a non-compete, but a year of that was consulting with them. And then it was very short, it was 18 months. Okay. But don't forget, John's a lawyer. He, he thought this through. <laughs> but the intention was never to go back into jewelry. I mean, that really wasn't the intention. So we had a non-compete, but I never it was I, when I your children was going to go. Mom, you're getting annoying now. Yeah. Can, you, can yeah. you go and do something yeah. else? So you woke up one morning and decided that you were going to do it again. Um, did you know it was going to be Golden Ishka? Did you know it was going to be luxury? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What actually happened is we received a memorandum of sale for another business, a jewellery business, which was called Pascal at the time. And they had concessions in all the department stores. And they were not designing jewellery, they were just buying jewellery at shows and selling. And I was just like, do you know what? I'd continued to design my own jewellery. And it just seemed like a really interesting opportunity because the most difficult part of any business, and certainly we'd learned from Lynx, was the, the kind of real estate. So getting that space in department stores. So they had a kind of ready-made distribution channel. So that was very interesting for us. So then we really thought, actually, we could buy that business, but totally start again, rebrand. But we had to go to all the department stores before we did that and say, if we did this, because they had every right to chuck us out, would you let us stay? And I went to them really with some sheets, having designed nothing, and said, what do you think? It was, you know, nine years ago, jewellery market was still very different. There was very little between links and the kind of high jewellers. And I was lucky because I had huge trust from all the buyers at department stores because they'd mm-hmm. done very well from links. And without really showing them much about what the collection was going to be, they said we could keep it. So you did buy Pascal? We did buy Pascal. And we ran it as Pascal for about six months, I think, whilst I came up with the branding and started design collections. And what was the business model with Anushka? How did it differ from links? So the business is fundamentally different in this time in that we control all our own distribution. So that means no wholesale, no franchise, no duty-free. So it's unbelievably simple. And now, 2018, you don't need 45 shops around the world. You know, the internet serves all of that. And how many stores do you have today? So we have two stores in London, two standalone stores. Um, and that's Sloan Square and South Malton Street. That's in uh, yep, Cadogan Gardens, where my studio is, and South Malton Street. And then we have a shop in Hong Kong, in the Mandarin Hotel. And then I have concessions in Liberty, Selfridges, Harrods and Harvey Nichols. And did you have any investors when you launched Anushka? Yeah, we did actually. We had one investor who had invested in Lynx and wanted to follow us. But to be honest, an investor always wants an exit. And I'm not sure that I want to exit. So we own the shares now. 
I'm always interested to ask people who've done it a second time round how much harder or easier. One might assume it's been easier. You know, I'm sure you're the first to admit your contacts, your name, your experience helped you greatly, but the world's changed a lot. How has it been harder second time round? Do you know, I think one of the hardest things about it is that there is an expectation, other people's expectation, that it's going to be successful. There is nothing to say it is a given that it's going to be successful because you've done it once. So I think that's one of the hardest things about it. And as you say, the world's changed a lot. So, you know, every day is a new day, new opportunity or new challenge. And I always think you're really a true entrepreneur if you've done it more than once. You know, I think first time around can be luck. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, if you can do it twice, you've got to be pretty pleasing yourself I think no but oh, hold on this is work in progress I'm doing it <laughs> well from where I'm sitting it looks pretty successful thank you how did you get the brand out there in the early days no doubt you had some great contacts but how did you get everyone talking about it and wanting to buy it because it's pricey I know there are some great entry level pieces but you know it's a lot more expensive than links so how did you get people talking about it and ultimately buying it I mean as I said at the beginning the distribution in terms of department stores offered a huge opportunity so in terms of just getting feet past the counter the department stores were fantastic for doing that and that was a very very good very useful step up and still is because whilst we have a very fast growing web business shipping to 50 countries around the world what you don't know necessarily is where those people have seen you did they see you in Harrods or did they see you in Harvey Nichols or did they go past South Melton Street you know so from that perspective that was fantastically beneficial. And you've had a lot of celebrities wear your pieces. How did that happen? Great PR, great team, doing a great job. And, you know, we never give anybody anything. They just come and say, can they borrow it or buy it? And that's fantastic. We talked about John. Does he work in the Anushka business? Yeah, he does. He's chairman of the business. We're very lucky because we're very well matched in that I'm very much about the creative and he's always been about the strategy and looking forward. And that works brilliantly. And what does the team look like in the business? In the business, what does it look like? So I think we have 17 people in the studio, I think. Uh, That was divided from design. There are uh, three of us in design. And I guess the web team, social team is the biggest part of it. So that's all kind of, I guess, marketing, PR. And is there anyone with you that used to work with you at Lynx? Yes, I'm very lucky. My managing director was our kind of number two at Lynx. And so he has been with me, must be about... 17 years now in total and my design director was with me for a long time at Lynx. Um, what are you looking for in an employee at Anushka? I am looking for energy. I'm looking for real enthusiasm. I think if you don't love what you do, it's very hard to do it well. I think the other thing is, you know, actually I'm looking for people who are better than me because that's the way I learn and it makes your life easier. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you said there's a creative team of three designers. Yeah. so that's myself, Liz and uh, Natasha. And do you oversee all that? I mean, it's a big, big collection, isn't it? There's a lot of pieces. It is a big collection. It's about 500 pieces, I think, in total. Which is quite large for a jewellery brand. Yeah, I think it probably is quite large. But the problem is, talking about the creativity at the beginning, got so many ideas now, it's really hard to wait until to introduce new things. And when you're coming up with the price point, you're obviously, you know, there's a design, and then the price point is determined by how intricate that design is, how many stones you're using, etc. Do you sit down and say, right, we're lacking something at the entry level or the mid-range 
price point. So that's what we need to design in mind with. I think you do it on various levels. So I approach things differently. But I think if you're always designing to a price or to a gap, that's not where you get your best design. All my designs are very much inspired by something very personal or something I've seen. Or for example, my latest collection, Touch Wood, is very much about memories from my Russian childhood and all of those things. So you might design from the very top and then disseminate that into something that can work at different levels. And a lot of businesses say famously 20% of their collection drives 80% of their sales. Mm. And actually that a lot of what you do is for press and interest and newness. Would you say the same? Is there 20% core that just keeps selling your amazing alphabet pendants, for example? Are there the things that just fly out? Yeah, I think as a kind of rule of thumb, that is pretty true. But you're absolutely right, alphabet pendants, and now we've done a bracelet, and, you know, my stacking rings, crown rings. Love your crown rings. So those are very much kind of become part of the kind of core collection. And you talked about the web business and the growth of that. Are you finding that people will buy the really pricey items online? We pretty regularly have people spending considerable amounts of money online you know it might be 15 grand it could be 25 grand I mean, it's not happening every day unfortunately but it will <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it will but I think America is far ahead of us in that respect you know they have no barrier I don't think to how much money to spend online because they know they can send it back and I think that's true as people get more confident mm. and you know, the likes of Amazon and all of those people are kind of making it. It's kind of just so ingrained that, yeah. you know, you buy online. And so I don't think jewellery is any different from that. I think the only difference with jewellery is that some people want to touch it and understand what it feels like. Is it light? Is it heavy? You know, is it really tactile? So I think there is a bit of that. But once you have done that and you've come into the store, then you're quite confident to kind of repeat online. And is it women buying for themselves? You know, 80 to 85% of my clients are women by themselves. Isn't it? I kind of set out to do that, but honestly, it's much higher than I thought it would be. And talking about gold versus silver, that's obviously one of the biggest differences in links. I don't think it's for any other reason than that I like the warmth of yellow gold and rose gold. And I also think there's something about yellow gold and rose gold. As it gets older and it gets used and worn, it's got, it gets this kind of patina that kind of becomes a real friend. I happen to think that as you get older, it's more flattering on the skin. So that's kind of a main, major difference for me. And I think the other thing about designing in gold rather than silver is that you can really spend the time on the detail and making sure that things are absolutely beautiful inside as they are outside, that things really work. And why is that possible in gold but not silver? It's really about the time and the craftsmanship. You know, in silver... If you're selling a charm for £40, you can't afford to spend huge amounts of time getting it right. right. So So what's the five-year plan for Anushka? Not to sell it? No, I don't think we're going to sell it. But, you know, I'll never say never. Who knows what changes tomorrow or next week? I'm so lucky that I love what I do. I get up in the morning and it's like, you know, actually it's a real challenge and a good one in a a very positive way. So I guess the aim over the next uh, five years or so is to really grow our web business 
I don't think we need shops all over the world. And for, I guess, more people to know that we exist. And I presume you ship internationally via your, yeah. your web store. How much of your business are you doing through the web? I think it's probably about 12% now. So it's quite small, but growing very but fast. Growing. And we're just in the process of completely replatforming. And I think that will help a lot. And what are the biggest challenges, do you think, with e-commerce? The biggest challenge for jewellery in e-commerce is how to really get across what it feels like. You know, it's just so important. Jewellery is so tactile. And the way I design has got so much, there's so many stories and so much narrative in what I do. I think that's actually quite easy to do online. It's just more about making it feel really wonderful. You talked about having an eye for detail, the quality that you learned from your godfather. What other qualities in you do you think have made you successful? When I was growing up, I'm an only child, and my mother was very much an entrepreneur. No was a word I wasn't really allowed to say very much. And I think that's really gone with me throughout my career. So when people say, no, you can't do that because of this, well, definitely can do it. <laughs> just got to case, find okay. another way. <laughs> we just got to approach it differently. So I think that's been very important. I'm not afraid of hard work. I kind of thrive on hard work. And I really love what I do. And I think I've been pretty good at choosing the right people around me. Have there been times when you haven't loved what you've done and you've questioned what you're doing? Oh, my God, there's definitely been times when they've been really stressful. You know, post 9-11 was unbelievably stressful. John was actually due to be in the Twin Towers that day because we had to really take a shot there. But the effect of post 9-11 of what happened to the business, you know, the business fell through the floor and we had to make a lot of people redundant and that was really you know I think I'd make 15 or 20 people redundant that was pretty tough but you have to make tricky choices that doesn't mean that doing it was the wrong thing or I wish I wasn't doing it and on a more positive note what have been the real high points what achievements are you most proud of other than selling your business for almost 50 million I was pretty proud to get an MBE that was very wonderful for both of us to get it and we were able to have you know John's parents and my, all four children with us so that was exciting when you look at Anushka what, what do you think the moments would be with that business when you thought okay this is going to happen now it will happen I mean you're very kind there's a lot to do we've still got a lot to there's do there's always a lot to do yeah. I mean as I said earlier it sounds rather pathetic actually but there's nothing more pleasing for me than seeing people wear my jewellery I almost want to go up to people you know at the traffic lights oh I designed that ring oh I designed that thing I love that the little things it's just a little thing yeah I read that your first business long before jewellery designing called Lunch on the Run which you started when you went in Australia so you could afford to stay there longer do you think you've always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Do you know I think I was so influenced by my mother who you know imported horses from Russia then when that didn't work and then all the rules changed she imported deer from God knows where and then eventually a fish business so I kind of think it was in my DNA not to work for somebody else And what happened to the fish business? And the fish business I sold to my partner. Have you got more business ideas? Are you someone that has a book of ideas? Oh, I've got lots. constantly add to? I've lots of ideas. But you know what? I just need to just focus on, focus on what one. I'm doing right now. Yeah. And do you want your children to be entrepreneurs? Do you oh, try and inspire them to be creative and to kind of come up with their own careers? My eldest daughter, Marina, has started her own business. She's uh, designing handbags and accessories called London Velvet. And she's selling that online. But... Good on her. That's her night job, actually. But she's done an amazing job of it. And that's what she wanted to do. And I guess, you know, a bit like me, I saw my mother working and running her own business. And I think it gives you this tremendous flexibility to go on and have a family, run your business and kind of try to balance it all. 
So I really would encourage them to work for themselves in the end. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be working with somebody else because you've got to learn. Mm. You've got to learn from somewhere. And do you feel like you've been an important role model to them as... I think you might have to ask them that. <laughs> <laughs> they might say, God, no. <laughs> uh, she's a nightmare. I mean, you know, who knows? It'll be... Uh, yeah, I do think of that. think, am I a good role model or not? Do you feel that it's important for them to see you working? And- I do think that. You know, when we sold links... I could have not gone back and done something else. But I don't think it would have been very good for the children to have seen me sitting around, you know, digging my garden up for the fifth time. Before we finish, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs listening? I do really believe that it's important to really enjoy what you do because I think it's very hard to inspire the people that are working for you to get up in the morning and, you know, work. Because starting your own business is very hard work, as you know. It's incredibly hard work, very demanding. And so you've got to love it. I think you've got to really have done some research and understand what the market is you're going into. So you go in with your eyes wide open. And as I said, I feel very strongly about this, is not being frightened to employ people better than you. What great advice. We'll leave it there. Anishka, you know I've long been a fan of all you do. I adore the Anishka brand. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Georgie. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.